Hello, and welcome to the Mr. Dog Podcast, where we read Albert Bigelow Payne's classic Victorian-era stories about the hollow tree and the animal friends that live there. This is episode 22, and our tale today is called The Snowed-In Literary Club, Part 2. We're here because of a story called Christmas at the Hollow Tree Inn that we've read in my family for three generations now, every Christmas Eve. I'm Henry Cordes, and this is the Mr. Dog Podcast, produced by That's So Enterprises. Today we hear more about the literary club, although the animals don't get up to anything particularly literary. In fact, there's very little seriousness at all in this story, except in the very fringes. There are a few very interesting historical details you might pick up on. Um, We'll hear a little bit about some old parlor games people used to play, and some of which may be familiar, but a couple that most likely won't be. Alright, enough preamble, on with the show. still dark in the hollow tree when the deep woods people woke up next morning, but they knew what was the matter now, and could tell by the clock and the fire that it was day outside, even before Mr. Possum ran up to his room and looked out the window and came back shivering, because, he said, the snow was blowing and drifting, and some had drifted in around his windows and made his room as cold as all outdoors. He said he was willing to stay by the fire while this spell lasted, and take such exercise as he needed by moving his chair around to the table when he wanted to eat. Mr. Coon said that Mr. Possum might exercise himself on a little wood for the cook stove in Mr. Crow's kitchen if he wanted any breakfast, and that if this spell kept up long enough, they wouldn't have anything left but exercise to keep them alive. So Mr. Possum went downstairs after an armful of stove wood, and he stayed a good while, though they didn't notice it at the time. Then they all helped with the breakfast, and after breakfast they pushed back all the things and played blind man's buff. For Mr. Rabbit said that even if moving his chair from the fire to the table and back again was enough exercise for Mr. Possum, it wasn't enough for him, and the others said so too. So then Mr. Rabbit said they must choose who would be it first, and they all stood in a row, and Mr. Rabbit said, Hi, ho, hickory dee, one for you and one for me, one for the ones you try to find, and one for the one that wears the blind, which was a rigmarole Mr. Rabbit had made up himself, to use in games where somebody had to be it. And Mr. Rabbit said it around and around the circle on the different ones, one word for each one, until he came to to the word blind, and that was Mr. Possum, who had to put on the handkerchief and do more exercising than any of them until he caught Mr. Turtle, who had to be it quite often, because he couldn't get out of the way as well as the others. And Mr. Possum was it a good deal, too, and Mr. Coon, and all the rest, though Mr. Robin was it less than anybody, because he was so little and spry that he could get out of the way. Then, when they were tired of Blind Man's Buff, they played Pussy Wants a Corner, and Forfeits. And Mr. Possum had to make a speech to redeem his forfeit. And he began, Ladies and gentlemen, though there were no ladies present, I am pleased to see you all here this evening, although it wasn't evening, 
looking so well-dressed and well-fed. It is better to be well-fed than well-dressed. It is better to be well-dressed than not dressed at all. It is better to be not dressed at all than not fed at all. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for your kind attention and applause. Though they hadn't applauded yet, but they did right away and said it was a good speech, and Mr. Crow said it reminded him that it was about dinner time, and that he would need some more wood. So Mr. Possum got right up to get the stove wood again, which everybody thought was very good of Mr. Possum, who wasn't usually so spry and willing. Then in the afternoon they had games again, but nice quiet games, for they were all glad to sit down, and they played button, button, who's got the button? And nobody could tell when Mr. Possum had the button, for his face didn't show it, because he was nearly always looking straight into the fire and seemed to be thinking about something a way off. And when the fire got low, he always jumped up and offered to go down into the storeroom after the wood. And they all said how willing and spry Mr. Possum was getting all at once. And when he stayed a good while downstairs, they didn't think anything about it, not at the time. Or if they did, they only thought he was picking out the best pieces to burn. They played Drop the Handkerchief, too. And when they got through, Mr. Rabbit performed some tricks with the handkerchief and the button that made even Mr. Possum pay attention because they were so wonderful. There was one trick, especially, that Mr. Rabbit did a great many times because they liked it so much and were so anxious to guess how it was done. Mr. Rabbit told them it was a trick that had come down to him from his 32nd great-grandfather and must never be told to anyone. It was a trick where he laid the button in the center of the handkerchief and then folded the corners down on it and pressed them down each time so that they could see that the button was still there. And he would let them press on it, too, to prove it. And then when he would lift up the handkerchief by the two corners nearest him, there would be no button at all and he would find it on the mantel shelf, or perhaps on Mr. Crow's bald head, or in Mr. Possum's pocket, or someplace like that. But one time, when Mr. Rabbit had done it over and over, and maybe had grown a little careless, he lifted the handkerchief by the corners nearest him, and there was the button sticking fast right in the center of the handkerchief, for it had a little beeswax on it to make it stick to one of the corners next to Mr. Rabbit and by some mistake Mr. Rabbit had turned the button upside down. Then they all laughed, and all began to try it for themselves. And Mr. Rabbit laughed too, though perhaps he didn't feel much like it, and told them that they had learned one of the greatest secrets in his family, and that he would now tell them the adage that went with it, if they would promise never to tell either the secret or the adage. And they all promised, and Mr. Rabbit told them the adage, which was, when beeswax grows on the button tree, no one knows what the weather'll be. That, said Mr. Rabbit, is a very old adage. I don't know what it means exactly, but I'm sure it means something, because old adages always do mean something, though often nobody can find out just what it is. And the less they seem to mean, the better they are, as adages. There are a great many old adages in our family, and they have often got my ancestors out of trouble. When we didn't have an old one to fit the trouble, we made a new one, and by and by it got old, too, and useful in different ways, because by that time it didn't seem to mean anything special and could be used almost anywhere. 
And then the Deep Woods people all said there was never anybody who knew so much and could do so many things as Mr. Jack Rabbit, and how proud they all were to have him in their midst. And Mr. Rabbit showed them how to do all the tricks he knew, and they all practiced them and tried them on each other, until Mr. Crow said he must look after the supper. And Mr. Possum ran right off after an armful of stove wood, and everybody helped with everything there was to do, for they were having such a good time and were so hungry. And after supper they all sat around the fire again, and smoked a little before anybody said anything, until by and by Mr. Rabbit said that they would go on now with the literary club, and that Mr. Mo Mr. Robin might read the story he had mentioned the night before. So Mr. Robin got up and stood on a chair and made a nice bow, he said it was not really his own story he had written, but one that his grandmother used to tell him sometimes, though he didn't think it had ever been put into a book. And then Mr. Rabbit spoke up and said that that didn't matter, that of course everybody couldn't be original, and that the story itself was the main thing, and the way you told it. He said if Mr. Robin would go right on with the story now, it would save time. So then they all knocked the ashes out of their pipes, all except Mr. Robin who began right off to read his story. That's our show. Thanks so much for listening. I'm so sorry to leave you with that big juicy cliffhanger, but you'll just have to wait another two weeks to hear Mr. Robin's story, which is called The Discontented Fox. If you like the show, you can help us grow by leaving a review or a rating on iTunes and uh, by telling your friends about us. Uh, for more about Mr. Dog, just check out MrDogsChristmas.com, and you can find us on social media at MrDogsChristmas. This has been the Mr. Dog Podcast, a pre presentation of That So Enterprises. I'm Henry Cordes.